hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm? What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been, if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. Feminine hygiene is big business. Feminine, of course, being the acceptable marketing euphemism to avoid saying the word vagina. When I searched feminine hygiene on amazon.com, over 2,000 results popped up. To be fair, that included menstrual products like pads, tampons, and cups. So I went back and searched feminine odor, and there were still over 1,000 products that promised to eliminate or reduce any unpleasant vaginal aromas. And then, just for kicks and giggles, I searched male hygiene. There were only a handful of products to deal with smelly male genitalia, including top cock hygiene for man parts, and my personal favorite, Fresh Balls, Defunk Your Junk, is their actual ad. So let's stop for a minute here. Are vaginas so smelly that there needs to be thousands of products and a billion dollar industry to eliminate the stench? As a gynecologist and a woman, I find the implication that a woman's genitals are in constant need of cleaning and perfuming so that they're not offensive, offensive, really offensive. The term feminine hygiene isn't even a real thing. Historically, the phrase feminine hygiene was coined in 1873 as a response to the Comstock Act. The Comstock Act, passed by Congress, made it illegal to send, quote, obscene, lewd, or lascivious, immoral, or indecent publications through the mail, end quote. Basically, it was against the law to advertise any products related to sex, including contraception. So, as a workaround, the birth control industry coined the term feminine hygiene as a way to advertise and sell over-the-counter contraception. The term feminine hygiene was never originally intended to refer to vaginal odor, cleaning genitals, or using genital perfume. And the term doesn't even exist in the medical literature. Today, feminine hygiene no longer refers to contraception, but refers to keeping one's genitals clean and odor-free. And make no mistake, convincing women that their genitals are in need of special products has turned into a very successful billion-dollar industry. A study published a few years ago showed that over 50% of postmenopause women are using at least one so-called feminine hygiene product on their vulvas or in their vaginas. This widespread use of unnecessary products are a direct result of marketing. I'm going to get to the unnecessary nature of these products in a minute, but it's important to say from the get-go that these products hurt more than your bank account. Postmenopause vaginal and vulvar tissue is far more easily irritated and damaged than premenopausal tissue. In other words, not only do these products not help vaginal and vulvar health, they cause problems, lots of problems. So, how do these companies get women to use these products? It all comes down to fear of vaginal odor. Let me start by emphasizing that the majority of women who worry about vaginal odor have perfectly normal vaginal scents, but have been conditioned by the feminine hygiene industry and sometimes a well-meaning mother or clueless partner to believe that all vaginas are naturally offensive and smelly, even when all is well. 
perceived odor as opposed to an actual offensive odor. Vaginal shaming, it's not a new phenomenon. In the 1950s, women were advised to juice with Lysol disinfectant. Yeah, you heard that right. Lysol was heavily marketed to married women, not just to prevent odor, but also, get this, to avoid losing their husbands. One Lysol ad warned, she was the perfect wife, lovely, efficient, economical, affectionate, cheerful, except for one neglect. She was careless about feminine hygiene, and her husband would gladly have traded most of her virtues to correct this one fault. Another Lysol ad, a perfect wife, good cook, good hostess, good housekeeper, but her marriage was marred by the one neglect few husbands can forgive. The ad goes on to explain, Mary was such a perfect homemaker and mother. When her marriage with John ended, people called him a brute. They never knew John's side of the story. Be sure that Mary's heartbreak does not become yours. There are dozens of ads with similar themes of how vaginal odor can cause men to justifiably leave their wives, presumably to find wives who have better smelling genitals. The solution to the dire consequences of a smelly vagina is to regularly douche with Lysol. While it's easy to be horrified and make fun of these ads, it's not so different today. Women are still convinced they have vaginal odor even when they don't. In fact, today's a lot worse because the marketing is much more subtle and much more effective at getting women to buy products they don't need. Now, sometimes there is a legitimate foul odor despite shower and basic hygiene. In most cases, vaginal odor is a result of an alteration of vaginal pH. The term pH stands for potential hydrogen and is a measure of the acidity of the vaginal environment, otherwise known as the microbiome. A healthy vaginal microbiome is predominantly populated with lactobacilli, which produce lactic acid and keep vaginal pH in a low, healthy range, somewhere between 4.5 and 5.5. If the pH gets too high, an unhealthy bacteria known as Gardnerella predominates. Gardnerella produces specific enzymes that break down vaginal protein, causing an unpleasant, irritating discharge and a funky, fishy odor. At its extreme, the result of too much Gardnerella is bacterial vaginosis, otherwise known as BV. BV, not yeast, is the most common cause of abnormal vaginal discharge. While some women get BV without any specific triggers, there are a number of things that can cause pH to rise and increase the chance of getting BV, particularly if someone already has a predisposition. Blood, for one, has a pH of 7.4, and for some women who suffer from recurrent infections, their period is responsible. And that funky day-after-intercourse odor happens not because he has smelly sperm, but because of the elevation in pH caused by his semen, which allows the bad bacteria to quickly multiply, crowding out the good guys. But by far, by far the most common cause of an elevated pH in period postmenopause women is the decline in estrogen that causes vaginal pH to rise, reaching levels of 5.5 to 6.8 or even higher. This, of course, is not the case in women who are using a local vaginal estrogen or one of the other options to treat vaginal atrophy, which I discussed in episode 5, vaginal estrogen greens, creams, and other things. 
This is why it's also a waste of time and money to buy one of those over-the-counter tests that promise to diagnose what kind of vaginal infection you have. The over-the-counter tests are nothing more than a pH test. An elevation in pH could mean BV, but it could also be a consequence of your low estrogen, teeny amounts of blood, sometimes from inflamed vaginal walls, semen if you recently had intercourse, or even another infection like trichomonas. In some cases, the pH is off, just enough to cause an odor without having full-blown bacterial vaginosis. A reasonable first step if things smell a little funky is to use Refresh, an over-the-counter gel that will balance pH and give your own lactobacilli a fighting chance to get things in order. Replans and some of the other long-acting moisturizers I talk about in episode 25, moisturizers are not just for your face, lower pH and help keep your healthy bacteria in balance. But if Refresh doesn't do it, you need to get to an actual health clinician to see what's going on, because if you're diagnosed with BV, it needs to be treated with prescription antibiotics. So let's get back to those feminine hygiene products that promise to keep your genitals fresh and prevent the tragedy of vaginal odor. First of all, I get it. No one wants to take time off work and deal with going to your gynecologist when you can dash to the store and get a basket full of products that promise to not only eliminate the odor, but also to keep your vagina smelling like a flower shop. But before you make that run, you need to know what products might actually help and what products may make matters worse. There are two categories of products, those that promise to prevent a bad odor and those that are intended to eliminate a bad odor. External washes and wipes are promoted as essential hygiene to keep your vulva fresh and clean and odor-free. Sounds fine in concept, but most of these products are not only unnecessary, but potentially irritating to sensitive postmenopause vulvar skin. Many of these washes and wipes are loaded with preservatives, perfumes, and additives that can cause inflammation. But the truly misleading part is how their main advertising strategy is that it will keep your vulvar pH balance, which will, of course, prevent vaginal odor. But if you think about it, that approach is biologically impossible and crazy. Yeah, pH is important. I just spent five minutes explaining to you just how important it is to keep a low pH in order to allow healthy bacteria to proliferate and to keep away the bad bacteria that cause odor and bacterial vaginosis. But it's the vaginal pH you need to keep in balance, not the vulvar pH. These washes and wipes are meant to be used externally and have zero impact on vaginal pH. Using a pH balance vulvar wash to balance vaginal pH and control odor is like washing your face in order to prevent bad breath. In other words, these vulvar washes do nothing, nothing to prevent vaginal odor, infection, or discharge. Moving on to products to eliminate or cover up an odor that's already there. Vulvar and vaginal deodorant sprays, powders, panty liners, and washes are essentially perfume to camouflage genital odor. Even if you want your genitals to smell like a Tahitian sunset, tropical rain, or a mandarin blossom, keep in mind that like vulvar washes, these products are loaded with preservatives and chemicals that can cause irritation, burning, and redness. And while douching is an incredibly tempting quick fix, it will only freshen things up for 
about 10 seconds, and then inevitably it will make things worse. Not only does douching elevate the pH, but it also dries out tissues and washes away whatever lactobacilli you have. Scented douches can irritate things even more. In addition, douching is associated with an increase in sexually transmitted infections and pelvic inflammatory disease. Products intended to eliminate or cover genital odor are not the only things that can cause irritation and inflammation. Over-the-counter topical anesthetics and products to treat infections can also cause vulvar irritation. And if you've listened to episode four, is your lubricant helping or hurting your vagina, you already know that the majority of water-based vaginal lubricants have the potential to irritate and damage vaginal and vulvar tissue. General rule of thumb, if you can't pronounce the ingredients in an over-the-counter product, you probably should not be putting it on your vulva. While many women get away with using these products without damaging and irritating the tissue, postmenopause vaginas and vulvas need extra TLC. So, if you have a tendency to vulvar irritation, burning, or have been diagnosed with genitourinary syndrome of menopause, lichen sclerosis, or some other vulvar condition, here's my tips to avoid any further irritation to vulvar tissue. One, do not use any douches, perfumes, antiperspirants, deodorants, or cream on your vulva. Two, natural does not equal safe. So don't be misled into thinking that if something's advertised as natural, that it's okay. Arsenic is natural, but I assume you would not apply it to your vulva. Three, stay away from Vagisil and other over-the-counter vaginal itch medications which contain benzocaine. Benzocaine is a local anesthetic that numbs the agony of vulvar inflammation and itching. And it works, but once it wears off, it turns out that benzocaine is a major vulvar irritant and will ultimately make things feel worse. Four, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but you really need to avoid taking those long steamy hot bubble baths. And five, goodbye to scented toilet paper. Number six is a big one. A lot of women have urine leakage. Not only is the urine irritating to skin, but protective pads and diapers can also be irritating. Ideally, the goal is to get rid of the urine leakage, and that's another podcast. Aquaphor applied on the vulva protects the skin, but also be sure to only use fragrance-free, unscented pads. Number seven, wash your underwear in fragrance-free, dye-free laundry detergent. Use that extra rinse cycle and forget the fabric softener. And speaking of underwear, leave it off when you go to bed. Your grandma told you to air things out at right night, and she was right. Don't get reassured by phrases such as gynecologist tested or doctor recommended, which are meaningless and may simply mean a gynecologist employed by the company sprayed it on a few patients and nothing bad happened. Patient testimonials are also completely meaningless. Products that have been scientifically tested will usually cite clinically relevant medical publications right on their website. So now that I've given you a mile-long list of things not to do, what should you do to stay clean and fresh? It's simple. There's never a need to clean your genitals internally. Your vagina is self-cleaning. There's no need to clean your genitals externally using anything other than simple, mild soap and water. Stick to fragrance-free, neutral cleansers. Examples include Basis Bar Soap, Vanacream Bar Soap, Cetaphil Bar Soap, Cetaphil Liquid Cleanser, or Aquanil Cleanser. 
If you use a vulvar wipe, which can be less irritating than toilet paper, choose an unscented, hypoallergenic, chemical and preservative free wipe that's most likely to be found in the baby aisle. But don't assume all baby wipes are okay. Look at the ingredients. Water wipes is available at most drugstores and contains 99.9% water and a drop of grapefruit seed extract. And it's a safe option. If you're having vulvar issues, your best bet is to stop using soap. Just clean your vulva with water. I promise you there will be no odor. Pat, don't scrub your vulva after you urinate, and consider avoiding toilet paper altogether and spray lukewarm water on your vulva using a sports water bottle or a perineum care bottle. When it comes to lubricant, the mother of vulvar irritants, again, check out episode four or my book Slip Sliding Away for a list of lubricants that are not irritating. Bottom line, if you think you have a vaginal odor, the first thing to determine is if what you have is a perception of a vaginal odor or an actual vaginal odor. You don't need to use any special products to maintain a clean, healthy vagina and vulva. If there's a persistent foul odor despite normal hygiene, a persistent discharge, irritation or skin changes on the vulva, skip the trip down the personal hygiene aisle and take a trip to your doctor instead. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Through the night, I follow Francie.